everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. And unfortunately, it's not a victory green hour as the Philadelphia Eagles fell to the San Francisco 49ers 17 to 11 this last week. But it is Dallas week, and we all know how exciting it gets around the city of Philadelphia when the Dallas Cowboys are on the schedule. I'm your host, Algiero, and joining me as always is Connor Donald. Connor, one and one Eagles, one and one Cowboys, Dallas's home opener. Can't get any better than that. No, definitely not. It's gonna. It's definitely gonna be a good week, and because uh, we always love Dallas week, we always like it to be a win. But no matter what, the hype and the lead up to the week itself is is enough to get any Eagles fan excited. And I mean, we love it more when it's gonna be at the link. But mm-hmm. for now, we'll, we'll take it as is. And I think it's actually like in in preparing my preview that I'm gonna be posting tonight or tomorrow for the Sports Talk Philly. It's actually going to be a lot better and more balanced matchup than I thought. Interesting. And we're definitely going to talk about that um, in the latter portions of this episode. But before we get started, remind everybody to follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. That's Connor T-E-N. And follow me on Twitter at LJHRL54. And wherever you're listening to us, please rate and review the show. Also follow our partners at Sports Talk Philly, as Connor had mentioned, um, for the 4 for 4 site. Um, but primarily, obviously, to go over there and, and read top Connor's previews going into each and every game. We do have that extra day this week as it is a Monday night game affair. But let's start off with last week's game against the Niners. The Eagles dominated the game early on. They just could not put the ball into the end zone. It's where you got to credit the 49ers defense. Um, it, it was just a really... All the good things that we talked about Nick Sirianni in week one against Atlanta, it was a total three, you know, 180 last week against the Niners. Going for the or forward on fourth down, the Philly special. That Go for the points there. You kick the points, maybe it's a totally different outcome of the game. Um, they had unfortunate, you know, mistakes when Rager stepped out, literally got to be centimeters out of bounds, um, which would have been a long touchdown reception, but he was out of bounds. They had a 91-yard pass reception to Quez Watkins. He wasn't able to get into the end zone, and then they weren't able to score, and that's when they ended up doing the the Philly special. But the Eagles made a lot of mental mistakes and made a lot of mistakes on the field, and that hurt them in the game, a game that they dominated. They they, They played up to the level of the 49ers. The 49ers are a Super Bowl contending team, and the Eagles just were not able to take advantage of the of. You know their early their early fortunes. They were able to move the ball, um, and and unfortunately, Connor, they, they just weren't able to put the ball into the end zone. It was just one thing after another caused the downfall of the Philadelphia Eagles last week. Yeah, I felt it was more offensive too. Like it was constantly on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't ask for a defense to do any more than you know, only allow 17 points. I mean, you could obviously point to, oh, they got 300 yards and stuff like that. Like, you you can point to those mistakes happening, but they kept, uh, yet again, they kept the big plays in front of them. They didn't give up that many big plays at all. They they were there on key third down stops. Um, I think, like what you said, the biggest point there is the points. We have we had 328 yards of total offense. We were definitely the more efficient offense as well. Like you saw Jimmy Garoppolo airmailing balls short, too deep, 
Like, he just couldn't hit his targets whatsoever. Um, there was pressure in his face, everything we asked. You know, on the, on the offensive side of the ball, Jordan Mailata, like Nick Bosa was pretty quiet, got shut down. Um, the offensive line stood its ground. Unfortunately, we'll get into it later. Jordan Mailata and Brandon Brooks are going to be missing some time, which is highly unfortunate for the Eagles' offensive line. Um Clearly, I jinxed it when I said that we actually had a healthy offensive line for the first couple weeks. and health Not even healthy offensive concern. line, a healthy roster. Yeah, so. healthy roster in general. It kind of, yeah, we kind of hit the wall there. But, like, I think overall we were more efficient. Yards per play, we were more efficient. We put up more offense with less plays. We had less time of possession. Like, we, they, we had 25 minutes time of possession versus San Francisco's 34, and our defense was still able to, despite... 34 minutes of being on that football field, they gave up less yards. Like, they gave up, yes, less yards per play. They only gave up 17 points. Uh, this was all on the offensive side of the ball. Like you said, that Philly special play, I I felt it was completely unnecessary. I thought you were close enough to make a more intelligent play call than that. Um, I think, you know, offensively, it just felt stagnant altogether. The, the the play calling that we complimented and we talked so highly about, it just felt like it was kind of like Arthur Smith calling last week. No adjustments. No, it was just kind of trying to run the whole, the same game and stuff. And it just wasn't working out for Philadelphia. And it was really unfortunate on the offensive side of the ball because you did see from time to time, you know, that Jalen Hurts took the shot. The, the rushing game was really good. We had 151 yards rushing. There was a lot of things that were working, but the points just weren't coming with it. Yeah, they definitely weren't, and that, and that was a big that's a big concern. Um, obviously, we know that the Niners are good, and, and you mentioned Jordan Maialata shutting down Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa did, when he went on, you know, he, he, did, he did make a couple of plays, but, but Maialata has been really, really good in the first two games of the year, and, and you mentioned it, we'll talk about um this week his availability for this week but um going to the defensive side of the ball the only thing that I wanted the defense to do to do and and something that we've been clamoring for for the last couple of years get turnovers they still have yet to force the the opposing offense to turn the ball over um you know there was that one fumble but it was on a Kavon Wallace um targeting like hitting a defenseless receiver which I thought was a little iffy because I think it's Sermon was going down so like as a defender like when when the offensive player is going down like are you supposed to stop yourself in mid movement so that's one of those you know bang bang calls that unfortunately went against went against the eagles um so yeah you know if the the defense can find a way to start getting turnovers things could could have been different and and going into this dallas matchup it's a a defense the dallas defense leads the league in turnovers you're gonna have to force Dak and, and and that offense to to try to give you the ball so that you can give your defense your offense excuse me a short field. Um, another big key injury for the Eagles defense, Brandon Graham, man, a guy that's missed I think one game in ten years is now going to be out the remainder of the series the season with an Achilles injury. That was heartbreaking because he's such a good dude. Um, you know, he he's always got a smile on his face. He, he, he doesn't let the negativity affect him. And somebody, even though he's 32, 33 years old, he's somebody that's not, this isn't going to be like the end of him. He, he's going to work his tail off, work his ass off, and he's going to come back next year and, and be the BG that we know. But trying to replace Brandon Graham 
on that defensive line is going to be so hard because of all the things that he does. Great against the run, gets after the quarterback. Um, we, you know, will will we start seeing more Milton Williams on the outside as, as a defensive end? We'll probably see a lot of Ryan Kerrigan. Can Ryan Kerrigan get back to you know what he was like five years ago? Obviously, him being older, it's going to be tough to ask. Um, we know, you know, Josh Sweat got the contract last last week when he broke it up, broke it on um, on our segment. But you know, he he's got it. The one thing about Sweat is while he can get after the quarterback, he's not very good against the run. So he's got to work on that. Derek Barnett's got to stop with the dumb ass penalties. He had another one last week on the sideline. He the penalties that Derek Barnett commits are at the most inopportune time and it's so freaking annoying i can't stand Derek barnett i really hope he doesn't come back but we have to trust him for the next 15 games it's so frustrating watching him but he needs to figure out this is year five you should not be committing those same dumbass mistakes that you've been doing for the first four years of your career yeah, absolutely. I think that's why we saw, you know, Josh Josh Sweat get paid versus Derek Barnett getting paid because, you know, Josh Sweat isn't necessarily constantly making those mistakes. I understand that there's a risk associated with the injury, but at the end of the day, that's a risk you have to be willing to take because based on purely efficiency metrics, he's our most efficient edge rusher, and it's by a landslide. What he produces per play Versus what even Brandon Graham or Ryan Kerrigan or Derek Barnett produces per play is just not even in the same boat. Like this guy is producing on pace with some of the big names, but because he doesn't play enough, because he's not putting up the double digit sack totals, because he's not putting up those, you know, those double digit tackle for lost seasons, he's not viewed the same as other edge rushers who get a lot more respect like the Nick Boses of the world. Because he just hasn't had the opportunity to go out there and play 70, 80, 90 percent of snaps and and be and put that effectiveness instead of just 40 percent of the time across 80 percent of the time. So I'm really hoping to see him step up. I know his snap count kind of took a little dip last week and now it's going to have to go up and stay up pretty consistently because it's going to be a rotational set of him, Barnett and Kerrigan. And I'm sure you're probably going to see them mix in like Patrick Johnson or some of some of the people we drafted who have played all over the front seven for their college teams. I'm sure there'll be a mix in of those guys. But you know that Derek Barnett and you know that Josh Sweat are both going to get a ton of time and should see over 70 percent of snaps most weeks. Because Brandon Graham was a humongous chunk to that defense, a huge piece of that edge room. And I think that it can't it often can't be understated how important he is from a leadership perspective. How important he is for Barnett, for Sweat, for that defense as an overall. And now that means like a guy like Fletcher Cox and Javon Hergrave are also gonna really have to step up, be more vocal, and make sure that they're good leaders as well for the younger edge players. And Javon Hargrave has been really good the first two weeks of the season. Um, top three, I think, in the NFL, you know, when you're grading out the defensive tackles, he, he's just been really good, you know, getting after the quarterback and stuff in the run. So he's going to have to continue that, and we got to see it all 17 weeks. Um, but you're right, you know, when you talk about the Eagles' defense, they did a good job against that offense. And we didn't see Trey Lance at all, which I'm kind of surprised, but I think that was Kyle Shanahan being like, look, I don't need to force Trey Lance on the field. We, we have faith. And Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, Jimmy G wasn't that great 
last week, but he made the plays when he needed to make the plays. Um, and, and that's, again, where the Eagles defense, if, if they're able to get a turnover here or there or, or force, you know, a mistake here or there, it could help the offense, which they, they, they really need it because they, the Eagles offense got pinned back deep a couple of times. Obviously, on that 91-yard pass, you know, they were starting at the, I think, the two- or three-yard line. So um, that's, that's something that, you know, the defense is just going to have to find a way to help the offense out, especially when they are struggling. Um, and and I think like a lot of people get upset about the Jimmy Garoppolo situation, similar to, you know, Justin Fields. But I think that you can't compare the situations of rookie quarterbacks like you oh, can you with can. the 49ers. Because, you know, Justin Fields, he should clearly be starting. Andy Dalton is just not a starter. His days are behind him. This is just, you know, Matt Nagy being really stubborn because he said, I'm going with this guy as my starter, and he wants to stick with that guy as a starter and prove he's right. The 49ers are winning. The 49ers are 2-0. I understand it was two close games. It was two ugly games. But as long as they're winning games, there's no reason to rush Trey Lance into the game. And you're paying Jimmy Garoppolo now. Now that you're in season, you're paying the dude the money. So you might as well use him as much as you can use him. And as long as you're winning, you're going to stick that way. If the 49ers were 0-2 right now, we'd be having a whole different discussion. Probably similar to the Justin Fields and Andy Dalton debate. You never wish injury upon anyone, but kind of thank goodness Andy Dalton got injured because Justin Fields is going to have a real opportunity, just like Mac Jones got a golden opportunity because Cam Newton is never going to return to the form that he was, you know, four or five years ago. So it's time to move on. And Bill Belichick realized that and Mac Jones is playing fairly effectively as well for the New England Patriots. But it's just such a different situation for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I get why people would be frustrated because, you know, you invested such a high end pick in Trey Lance. But patience is fine. You can have patience with your players. And when the right opportunity presents itself, Shanahan will make the right decision. I agree. But and then going back to the to the Chicago thing, and I, and I don't want to veer off our veer off course, but I'm going to take it back to when the the Seahawks dra- drafted Russell Wilson. Remember that offseason, they they paid I think it was Matt Flynn a bunch of money to to be their starting quarterback, but then and and even if Pete Carroll didn't say, look, Matt Flynn's our starting quarterback, so that he had to go with that. That money insinuated, look, Flynn is our starting quarterback coming in, but Russell Wilson outplayed him. And Russell Wilson became the starter, and the rest is history. They won a Super Bowl, and he's been such a consistent player for the Seahawks over the last, what, 10, 10 or so years that, you know, it was the right decision. Now, and you mentioned Matt Nagy being stubborn, and just because in the offseason he said, yes, you know, Andy Dalton's our starter, like, if Justin Fields is better, and Justin Fields has, makes more plays and has shown it on the field, then that's who you should be playing. But again, I digress. <laughs> um, and the reason why Matt Nagy is going to be fired after this year, you know, most likely. But this injury to Dalton could be a blessing in disguise for him, having being quote unquote forced to start um, Justin Fields. And now, like, if, if they start winning games and he starts putting up numbers, that could be the 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 saving grace for both Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace in Chicago. But again, that's a Chicago thing. And we really don't care about Chicago. Um, except, you know, Jason Peters coming off the field after like every, every three or four plays. Um, so Connor, who obviously the, the, it was a frustrating game last week. The offense didn't do much. Do you have a play or a player of the game that, that, that you want to give that our, you know, our KGH award to for last week? 
I'm going to give it to Quez Watkins because one of the things that I said at the start of the season is he's going to have to do a lot with a little. He saw two targets. He made two catches. And as all, most of us remember, it was the best play of the whole game. It was the only thing we can hang our hat on for this past week. And that was that 90-yard play. The man can burn. Like, he moved on that play. And, I mean, he can do a lot with a little. He can also do – he could probably do a lot more with if he could see a lot more. But, I mean, when you look at the way it is, Devonta Smith got seven targets. Jalen Reger got five targets. It's kind of fallen the way we thought, minus the point that the tight ends aren't being used as much as we thought they would be used. But the offense is able to move the ball down the field without having to rely on Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz like in prior years uh, under Carson Wentz. So I think I'm going to go with the Quez Watkins 91-yard play because that was just a beautiful play. And that just goes to show you can throw a bubble screen to the guy. He can burn a guy downfield and give you a big play. He's going to be a good weapon. He's not going to be a guy who goes off for 10 and, and 150 with a couple touchdowns. That's just not who Quez Watkins is. But he's got the profile that, you know, he can be he can do those a lot with the little bit. And that'll be really good when, you know, if Devonta Smith isn't open or Jalen Reger isn't open or the play's just there for Quez Watkins. He's someone that you can rely on. And, you know, he emerged during the offseason and he's still, despite, you know, just a couple receptions, he's doing exactly what I think he's at five receptions for about 150 yards right now on the year. That's good. He's at wide receiver three. This is what we want. This is this is good. And we're finally we finally have a somewhat effective wide receiving core that our quarterback is confident in targeting. Yeah, he was able to he's able to open the field for Jalen Hurts, you know, in the offense. <laughs> and funny part about that, uh, I was texting a buddy of mine uh, during the game and he was talking about Jalen Hurts. He's like, man, he doesn't have a strong arm. And then he threw that ball and he goes, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts has a strong arm. It was just funny. Just the communication because what like. A couple, you know, deep passes where he may have underthrown a receiver or it, it seemed like it took a while to, to get to the receiver. And then he threw that beauty of a, of a dime to, to Quez Watkins. Um, unfortunately, they just weren't able to get into the end zone. Um, I and he to, may, I just want to point out, he. Where he tried to throw one deep and. He he's effective. Like I think he can be very effective when he needs to take the shots, and it was nice to see him attempt to take the shots. But it also comes down to how effective our receivers can be. And sometimes I found some of his decisions were thrown into double coverage or forcing plays, especially to Devonta Smith. So hopefully he'll get better at seeing the field and stuff, and get more comfortable seeing the entire field and more plays like the Quez Watkins play or like some targets, the like Jalen Rager play. Hopefully more plays like that can happen with better outcomes. Yeah, hopefully. And he becomes more than a one read quarterback, which we know he, he's definitely been improving upon. And one thing I did want to touch on, um, and we kind of sort of talked about the adjustments, is the, the differences between, or the difference between Nick Sirianni week one and week two. We, we talked about it last week, how Sirianni was really good, you know, poised, Seemed like he had all the he was pushing all the right buttons, and then last week he drug himself through the mud, talking and and you know was was mad mad about a couple of play calls that he didn't like, and just not able to get the offensive offense going. What do you anticipate this week? Like, did, the game plan is it going to be different? Is, is he going? Is is he going to bring down his like he's he's been really like aggressive going for it on fourth down. A lot. Does he tell that tell that back a little bit? 
do you, do you think we'll see a, a little bit different of a Nick Sirianni um, when it comes to his offensive play calls this week? The Dallas Cowboys, and this is something I, I talked about, I have written in my article, the Dallas Cowboys defense is more effective than people probably think or probably know. They've actually forced uh, the, let me pull it up, they forced the sixth most turnovers in the NFL. 30% of their t- their opponents' offensive drives have ended in a turnover, which is actually first in the NFL. So this Cowboys defense is effective and this Cowboys offense is dangerous. They are really good. They they can put up a lot of yards very quickly. They rank fourth in total yards, sixth in the pa- in passing yards. They have the most first downs in the NFL right now. There's a lot of people like I understand the results may not look as great for the Cowboys, but they're more effective than people want to give them credit for. And I know that this is an Eagles show, so I hate to say it like this, but stats don't lie situations don't lie for this team um so I think you know I have no issue with the aggressiveness of Nick Sirianni and I think that's good I think that he needs to remain aggressive in certain circumstances he's just gonna make the right play call and that was just a bad play call that play you saw is that play that fourth down play call was unfolding it wasn't gonna work there was bodies on bodies no one was clearly open it just it looked like a play that was going to become a mess really quickly right from the get-go and there was no way you could bail out of a play like that whereas some other plays if you're passing you know your quarterback can run uh, there could be dump off options you know stuff like that where they can where they can kind of some kind of correct the mistake in during the play um but this was just it I think it's a good thing he's aggressive. I think he just needs to get the play calling right. He needs to be smart with it. You can be aggressive. There's a difference between like being aggressive and then being creatively aggressive. I think he's creatively aggressive and creatively aggressive can usually can end poorly more than being smartly aggressive. Like that was that what we I think we have one or two yards to go on that play. There was no reason to do something like that. There's not enough yardage. There's not enough space there to really open the field up in my eyes and make that play happen. So, I mean, I think we are going to have to ask Nick Sirianni to be aggressive because this Cowboys offense is the best offense that we're going to, that we've played in the early going. The 49ers offense. So next week when we face the Chiefs. (laughs) It's just similar to that. Like say, like those, the Cowboys and the Chiefs have really good offenses, high octane offenses, they push the flow, they push the possession, and they're going to force the Philadelphia Eagles to be probably a little more uncomfortable than they've been in, in the first couple weeks. The 49ers game was ugly all around. The Falcons game was almost too easy. So this is going to be a balance of the two games where I think we really get to see Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon and how effective both sides of the football can be. Do you... What were your thoughts on that beat Dallas shirt that that Sirianni was wearing this week? Do you think he panders too much to Philly? Or uh, like obviously he's he's supposed to represent the Eagles, represent the city of Philadelphia. Um, and I don't think I've ever seen a, an NFL head coach wear something like that. He he's been wearing Jalen Hurts shirts. Uh, he wore a Kelsey shirt uh, over you know throughout tr- during training camp. A Brandon Graham shirt. Then he had the beat Dallas shirt on this week. Like. I don't have any issue with it. Like, I think it's cool. Like you have a guy, a guy that really l- loves being here in the city of Philadelphia, wants to represent the Eagles organization and, and w- represent the Philadelphia fans. So I have no issue with it, but I just wanted to 
to get your thoughts because, you know, there are people out there just like, you know, maybe he should stop this. He's a head coach. You know, he, he shouldn't be wearing things like that, you know, giving bulletin, bulletin board material. Granted, if you need bulletin board material for this week, you're in the, you're, you're in the wrong game. Like, this is the, the Eagles-Cowboys. You shouldn't need any bulletin board material. Um, but I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, Connor. Yeah, I mean, more and more we're talking about, you know, the no fun league. The NFL, yeah. they're always trying yep. to take things away. Let the guy have fun. Like, <laughs> man, the guy's wearing shirts. He's have, Is he pandering to the people? 100% he's pandering to the people because he knows what it's like in Philadelphia. He's seen Philadelphia eat coaches up and spit them out almost on a yearly basis. Like, let the guy have fun where you can have fun. He can't go out there and taunt somebody. He can't run out there and get right in Dak Prescott's face if he gets sacked or something. Because, you know, a coach can't do that. You can't, A player can't even do that anymore because it's considered taunting. Let the guy have fun where he can have fun. Philadelphia just, the media and some of the fans just take things way too seriously. And you got to have a little bit of fun. You got to have some fun with the sport in a sport that it's so much harder to have fun in than it used to be. So, like, I have no issue with it. He's pandering to the people. Of course, it's Philadelphia. You have to pander to some of the people out. So, gonna, if he wasn't doing this, they'd be like, man, this coach is kind of boring. This coach is kind of lame. Why doesn't he Why doesn't he say things or do things to, to get our attention? Well, he's doing things. He's saying things. He's let the guy have fun. That's well, the only thing about being boring, Andy Reid was boring, and he's the best coach in Eagles history. Uh, Doug Peterson, boring. He won a Super Bowl. So, like, I have no issue with boring. If As long as – and we know because the, the team has said this, players have said this, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. Like, they have said that Nick Sirianni, like, this isn't just a, a show. He is – the way he acts in the media, you know, when, he, when he's doing interviews, that's how he is in the locker room. That's how he is with the team. So, like, we know he's not faking it which is good. Um, but like, if he's, if, as long as he wins games, I don't give a crap what he does. Um, so just win games, get to the playoffs, win the division, get us another Super Bowl. You can go out there and do and wear whatever the hell you want to wear. I don't really care. <laughs> That's my thoughts on that. Um, yeah, so no, I, exactly. No, I, I completely agree. At the end of the day, I just think you have to have fun where you can have fun. And this guy likes to have fun. And this guy wants to build, you know, a fun culture where people can be, you know, be themselves. And this my is question, being himself. My question is, how long can this be sustained? Like, this is year one and they're buying into it right now. But when you're trying to attract free agents and like, can that be a turnoff? Can or can, is this something that actually can attract players? I think it can be something that attracts players because, I mean, a lot of players, they either what are the two things they're probably coming for? Usually it's going to be a money. championship, money, well, three things, championship, money, or culture. Yeah. Some people will stay for a culture. In Tampa Bay, they're staying because they want to win. All these guys are taking either less money or some sort of modify, modification of, of dollars and cents to, to be there to win another championship. Some people, they'll come for a culture. Um, so I think that it's definitely sustainable if the money's there. If, you know, there's shows of progression and moving forward, then people are going to look at the culture. And if they can see, like, this coach has a nice culture, this coach has a fun culture, I want to be there. You know, Andy mm-hmm. Reid, like you said, he's pretty boring, but he, he's got people's respect because of the success that he's had in this league. So it all depends how you want to build the culture and get the respect of the people around you. And I think it definitely can be sustained. I think people think very a lot into this. And 
I don't think it's necessarily something that we have to think into. I think the bigger person to worry about in drawing people in is Howie Roseman. Will people yeah, trust true. Howie Roseman? Will agents trust Howie Roseman? That's my question because we've heard comments from from agents and and Howie Roseman sounds like a sketchy little guy. So like yeah. it's tough to say. Like I feel like if anything, people will come for that culture, but people will also not come because of the manager sitting in there, sitting in the office, making the decisions and pulling the triggers on trigger on the money. Yeah, I agree with that. That makes that definitely makes a lot of sense. All right, so let's move. It is as we mentioned time and time again, it is Dallas week. What is your? And I know we. It feels like we talk about this all the time, but but it's it's important. What's your favorite Eagles Dallas memory, Connor? Oh boys, I can't even remember what I said last year about what my favorite be, memory was either. because I, <laughs> I I have I have so many memories. It's just like. Just, the idea of getting so excited for it, like it's at this point, it's not even memories. It's looking back. Uh, it's looking like on Twitter and Instagram and seeing all these things that have happened, the, the love of the, the love of this rivalry, like there's rivalries in the NFL, but I feel like there's almost none that are as intense as this one where both all the fans are at each other. So at this point, it's not even a specific memory. It's just what this brings out in both of the fan bases you always just get so excited for this week. And, and like, it's the, the hate, like, we could have it with the Giants. We could have it with the football team. But we have it with the Cowboys. Like, it's just they, this, the Cowboys, like, the pandering to this whole America's team and Philadelphia being, you know, being the city that it is. It's like Dallas is not America's team and stuff. Just a dollar value makes them America's team. The fact that the most valuable team in football. But that's it. Like, it's what it brings out in people is the memories that it's created now every single year i wake up and i get to laugh at what people are saying laugh at what people are doing and just wish that i could be in philadelphia or be going to this game and and so i don't necessarily find it a memory anymore because i can always you can always think of what's your favorite thing to happen in philadelphia versus dallas but now it's just thinking about I can't wait for the next time we meet because what are people going to say this time? What are people going to do this time? And then you see Nick Sirianni with his shirt. There's just always something different. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, and I, I hope that's that, you know, when like, like back in the day when Buddy Ryan and Jim Johnson pretty much hated each other, like that made it feel like a rivalry. Mike McCarthy's a stooge. Like I think he, He's he's gonna be in Dallas for maybe two more years at most, and they're probably gonna give the job to Kellen Moore or something, or or try to go and get um um what's his name from Oklahoma? Uh why why can't Lincoln I think Riley. Well, yeah, get Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma or something. Like he he's not fit to 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 be in or excuse me, McCarthy's not fit to be in Dallas much longer. But just and we find it here, we find it more of a rivalry here than they do in Dallas. Like they don't care about the Eagles, honestly. They really don't. Um, you know, and I think we in Philadelphia do because of all the the the, the dumbass cowboy fans that are in this area that have don't need not, that can't point out Texas on a map. Like they've never been to Texas, never will be to Texas, and they only like the Cowboys because of they have the star on the helmet, and it's so frustrating, so annoying. Um, but like, yeah, I'm there with you. Just it's it's more of a a it's. It's, it's an important early season matchup because the Eagles don't have a division game again until I think week 12, which is the Giants. Like you're going from week three to week 12 
in between there, you have no division game. So this is important just for, look, we can battle in this division. Like, if you can beat Dallas, go 1-0 in the division, be 2-1, and put them at 1-2 and before you hit this stretch of the, the Chiefs, the Panthers, the Bucks. Like, you have this tough stretch of games coming up. That's what makes this game important. And that's what makes, you know, this what could make this a memorable game. Another Monday nighter in front of the country. Like, that's that's what's going to make this game exciting, hopefully. And that's what's going to make it an important matchup. And, and one of these two teams, their first division matchup, they got to find a way to come away with the W. Yeah, and I mean, I understand like people are like, oh, when the NFC least in primetime again because Washington and uh, New York were on Thursday night a couple weeks ago. Oh, why, why are we being, why do we have to suffer through this? We probably, the NFC East probably puts on some of the best primetime games despite mm-hmm. how crappy our division is and how excruciating it can be to watch the division. Mm-hmm. We put on some of the best divisional primetime games, I think, out there. Yeah. So... That this game Monday night, I don't think will end up being a blowout or anything. I think it's going to end up being a good, close game. With I think there's going to be a lot of offense, despite the early results and the early defensive successes for the Eagles and the Cowboys. I think it's going to be one of those games where we just see an, an all-out offense, kind of like reminiscent of the uh, Tampa Bay and Dallas Thursday nighter to open the season. You know, just a whole lot of passing and a whole lot of offense. Yeah, and it's it's going to be one to watch and. You know, Sunday Sunday's going to be a nice and stress-free day watching Red Zone all day. And then it's going to be an all a long-ass day Monday to get to that 820 mark um, when, you know, we get, when we get the kickoff finally. In, from um, Fort, They're in Fort Worth. I hate that it's, you know, everybody's in Big D. No, they're in Fort Worth, Texas. They're the Fort Worth Cowboys, not the Dallas Cowboys. God darn it. All right. Um, let's move to our fa- one of our favorite segments on our show. The unheralded player of the week, and and before and Connor, before we started, you know, we were both struggling to come up. We, we both talked about the struggle to come up with somebody. Um, do you have somebody? I do. If you want me to go first, that's fine. I don't care. Yeah, you go ahead. I, I got I got somebody, but I'll let you go first. All right, I'm gonna go with Taylor Heineke. He was 34, 46, 336 yards. Two touchdowns, um, had an had an interception, just fine. But you know, obviously he had to start last year in in the playoffs against Tampa Bay in a game that they were close to winning, and that could have definitely changed things in terms of the Super Bowl um, if Tampa would have lost that game. But you know, Taylor Heineke was efficient. Um, he was able to get the ball out to his receivers. McLaurin at eleven. It, it helps when you have a Terry McLaurin. Eleven catches, one hundred and seven yards. He spread the ball around to a lot of people. Um, and he was he was able to lead the lead excuse me Washington down the field at the end of that game and the, the Dexter Lawrence jumping off sides which I think he did I know there's a lot of talk about he, he didn't jump off sides but he did um, and, and Washington was able to come away with that big victory and Daniel Jones first loss to Washington in his career but uh, I'm gonna go with Taylor Heineke the quarterback for the Washington football team. I like that one because, you know, a lot of people were kind of like, ah, no, it's over. Like, you know, we lost Ryan Fitzpatrick. Where's Cam Newton? Get him in here and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, it's it's 
it's it is what it is you next man up you know the eagles have lived with that mentality for what like five years now we've yeah. been the next man up and fighting through injuries and stuff so next man up there and heineke's proven effective when he needs to step in safe but effective um for me i debated between two guys that the philadelphia eagles could have drafted this was trayvon diggs and gregory russo and i'm going with trayvon diggs gregory russo had a really good game when at the end of the first round Trayvon Diggs is somebody who lasted a little bit longer in the draft. He's starting to become a lot more effective. He's already got two interceptions in the first two games this season, three passes defended, and we get a meeting with Trayvon Diggs this week. Um, I mean, we, we're always looking for cornerbacks. We're always looking for effective cornerbacks. And Trayvon Diggs, you know, he kind of fell a little bit because there was, you know, character concerns, size concerns, effectiveness concerns, you know, the typical concerns that you have. Um, but he's starting to prove uh, some of the doubters wrong, and he's playing really well um, at, at that outside cornerback position for Dallas. And I would imagine he will be shadowing uh, our boy Devonta Smith this week, so we'll get a really good look at Trayvon Diggs this week and someone who we potentially could have drafted that got away to the Dallas Cowboys. And I remember when he was falling, people were like, why didn't we take him? People were thinking, like, why we should have grabbed him. And, but it wasn't just Philadelphia Eagles fan base. It was a lot of fan bases who needed a cornerback at the time as well because he was hyped up. Then he started to tumble a bit. So there was this kind of like, OK, he could be really good or he might not be. So I'm going with Trayvon Diggs, although if Gregory Russo has another week like he just had this past week against the Miami Dolphins, I may have to revisit Gregory Russo next week. Yeah, Trayvon, Trayvon Diggs, I'm hoping that Devontae Smith, uh, you know, puts him in puts him in the, in the grinder or whatever, puts him in a spinner and has him, you know, going one way while he's going the other. We know how, how smooth of a route runner Devontae uh, Smith is. Um, and, and again, being an Alabama fan, I, I did like Trayvon Diggs in college. And he was obviously being – it's hard to be a cornerback, as a, especially as a rookie in the NFL. And he wasn't – he was all right last year. And he's been all right this year. He still gets beat a lot. Um, you know, he's just an opportunistic guy when, you know, the ball gets thrown right to him and, and whatnot. Uh, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. And, and obviously with Jalen Hurts also being a former Alabama guy and Devontae Smith, you know, so it, it'll be fun to, to see that matchup and, and see if Diggs does, does cover Smith because the, the second corner for Dallas I don't think is all that good either. Um, is it Woods? If I'm not mistaken, or no, he's not on there. Anthony Brown. Yeah, there you go, Anthony Brown. So it, it, maybe he will be shadowing um, um, Devontae. So we'll see. All right, so let's move on to this matchup: the one and one Philadelphia Eagles, the one and one Dallas Cowboys, in a huge early season NFC East matchup on Monday Night Football. And this is going to be this. I said it before, and I'm going to say it again. It's very important, especially on the Eagles side, because. They don't have another, another division game until week 12. Got to win your division matchups. Find a way to, to to steal one on the road. Nick Sirianni's first you know, taste of, of this rivalry at, at uh, AT&T Stadium. Um, there would not shock me in the least bit if there's 30 40% Eagles fans because that's not a true home field advantage for the Cowboys at Jerry's World because it's too big and, a lot, and Dallas fans will just, you know, give up their tickets probably i i do want you know it's on my bucket list i want to go to an eagles cowboys game 
in in Big D or excuse me at uh, in Fort Worth, um, and, and that's something I'm hoping to be able to do in, in within the next couple of years, Connor. I, I think that would be outstanding. But give us the matchups on the offense or or the keys to the game on the offensive side of the ball for both the Eagles and the Cowboys. Well, I think it, it go for the Eagles. It's it's keep up with the Cowboys. I mean, you got Amari Cooper. He's banged up, but you know he's he's proven he can be very effective. And he eats ten plus targets pretty much every game with Dak Prescott throwing him the football. Then you got C.D. Lamb. You got Zeke Elliott. Tony Pollard. Obviously, you know he periodically booms, but he's a guy who can do a lot with a little. Similar to Quez Watkins. If Tony Pollard spread out wide and he can get a mismatch that he wants, he can take a ball 80 yards and score. And we saw that last week. Um, they got a decent tight end tandem and Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz who are effective when targeted as well. So, and obviously, of course, we know Dak Prescott. And as much as we hate Dak Prescott and, you know, he was drafted in the same year as Carson Wentz and that clearly that debate has gone to the wayside because Carson Wentz no longer is an eagle. But the Cowboys put up a ton of offense. They're averaging 24 and a half points per game. The standout things to me, total yards per game, 449 yards per game. Like that is a ton of offense compared to the Eagles who are at 389 per game. You're talking a significant difference between those two teams and what their offense can produce and how effective their offense can be. As we saw last week, you know, the Eagles can be frustrating on offense. Sometimes things can stall out. Some, As we've seen this year and in prior years, play calling can have a massive impact on the game. And although we have scored 21 and a half points per game, and only allowed 11 and a half. I don't think that's a true depiction. I don't think we've seen a real true game that will show us what the Philadelphia Eagles are. I think it's still too early to say between a, a game where we won 32 to six and a game where we lost 17 to 11, that either game is that is who the Eagles are this year. And that is the identity that we have on offense. I think that that's still changing. Um, and it's going to be interesting on the offensive side, on the offensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles. That next man up mentality is huge. So whereas the Dallas Cowboys offense has to push the pace, the Eagles have to keep up with the pace. Plus, they need effective play from the next man up, especially on that offensive line. Jordan Mailata suffered a knee, uh, a, I think it was a knee sprain uh, late in practice on Thursday. That'll push yep, former yes. first round pick. Andre Dillard into the picture, who lost this battle mostly because he ended up injured in the uh, preseason as well. But this is a huge opportunity for Andre Dillard to step up, prove a little bit of value, because then if Jordan Mailata gets healthy and people come knocking for Andre Dillard, suddenly we we might have a little bit more value with him. And obviously, I'm super pumped for Landon Dickerson stepping in at the right guard position that was vacated by Brandon Brooks, who rumor is... It's likely six to eight weeks we're looking at without Brandon Brooks. It's a shame. Brandon Brooks has not been able to stay healthy, but when he's effective, healthy, he is so effective. One of the best right guards in the NFL. Unfortunately, injuries are becoming uh, a more and more of a factor every single season with him. But I'm pumped for Landon Dickerson. This is huge. He gets to play beside the person he's likely taken over from in Jason Kelsey. Nothing more valuable than getting to play side by side with the guy who you may be taking his job in the next couple seasons. Um, and Jason Kelsey, I have faith in Dickerson. I have concern with Andre Dillard. 
I mean, Micah Parsons, Agreed with that. Micah Parsons moved to the edge for the Dallas Cowboys, and he is a humongous mismatch. If they throw him over against Andre Dillard, I think Dillard could have a rough time. Well, Even so, if not that point, so, then you're going up well, against— so before, before you continue, continue Connor, there's mm-hmm. some breaking news out of Dallas. Keanu Neal, who's a linebacker, isn't going to play Monday night because he tested positive for COVID. So they may have to move Micah Parsons back to linebacker. I know they have Jalen Smith. I know they have Van Der Esch, but you know, that's another linebacker on that, another defender for Dallas. That's going to be out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it, any loss is a big loss at this point, especially at that position where they, they, they're not that deep and clearly they didn't have a whole lot of confidence in what they had because they went out and they drafted Jabril Cox. They went out and they drafted Micah Parsons um, and they draft, they drafted Chauncey Goldston as well. All picks, first rounder, third rounder, and a fifth rounder, which are pretty expensive picks to invest. So any loss for the Dallas Cowboys is a big loss there. Um, so, I mean, for me, like I said, Dallas Cowboys offense, push the pace, Philadelphia Eagles, keep up the pace, plus the vitally important next man up on that offensive line. We saw it last year. We saw enough of it last year when we had 14 different starting line combinations. Hopefully we don't get to that extreme this year, but thank God we have a guy like Andre Dillard, first round pet draft pedigree there, and Landon Dickerson with his second round draft pedigree. Um, stepping Who would have been a first roles. round pick if he didn't have that injury last year. 100%. Yeah, he's coming up in ACL tear too. So how confident is he going to be with his knee? Hopefully as confident when he was doing his cartwheel that he was doing there, like, what was it, like a month out from his ACL I know, that, surgery? That was crazy. He, he's, a, he's, a, he's a freak. Like, he, I would have never well, – I mean, I can't do a cartwheel as it is, but I would have never attempted that after ACL surgery. Um, looking at the defensive side of the balls, as I mentioned for Dallas, like, um, Demarcus Lawrence is out. Uh, Greg um, – Keanu Neal is out. Um, they now have uh, Randy Gregory just came off the COVID list, so he'll probably be playing. Uh, Brandon Nay, I think, is, is their rookie defensive end. He's out because I think he's on the COVID list. So, like, that's a lot of players or, you know, a lot of now, yeah, players that Dallas is going to have to find a way to replace. Um, and, and the Eagles have to find a way to take advantage of that. Um, and you mentioned that the key matchup, I'm going to say Randy Gregory, who I assume will be on that side going up against um, Andre Dillard. You know, Dillard has to win that matchup, and and he also has to do it on his own. Will the, will the Eagles chip block? Probably put Dallas Goddard or another uh, and, and another breaking news, Zach Ertz taken off the COVID list for the Eagles, so he is in line to play on Monday night. So you put either Goddard or Ertz over there to help chip, um, Randy Gregory or Michael Parsons or whoever could be coming off of that end to, to help Dillard. But Dillard has to put his big boy pants on. He cannot be tentative. He needs to punch the defender, you know, in the chest and, and stalwart him like Jordan Maialata does. He's not better than Jordan Maialata. And we, we just know how much of an athletic freak Maialata is. And it's a shame that he had this knee sprain at the end of practice on Thursday and won't be able to play. But, you know, this is your time to shine. Just show, show why you were a first-round pick. Show why the Eagles kept you, probably because nobody wanted to trade for you. But, you know, come out and show why the Eagles took you in the first round. Um, prove that you can be a valuable asset, you know, as, as, a, as, a, as a backup player. But this is your time to shine. For the Eagles defense, without Brandon Graham, it's going to be tough to stop the run. We know Dallas, you know, you mentioned Tony Pollard. 
you know, if, if there's somebody that is underrated, it might be Tony Pollard. Like we know that Zeke has been is paid as as a, as the top running back on the team and as the top running back in the league. But Tony Pollard, you know, you get more bang for your buck with him. You know, and I'm, it wouldn't surprise me if Dallas, if Dallas was able to trade a Zeke down the road because they have Pollard, who's cheaper and, and probably right now more explosive. I, they might do it because he, he's just more he, – he's showing more than Zeke is right now. Um, but we do know that if Zeke is able to get going, that could be a, a problem for the Eagles. So the Eagles are going to have to find a way to stop the run and not allow Zeke or Tony Pollard to get to that second level. Um, that's Again, that's where they're going to miss Brandon Graham. So Josh Sweat, Milton Williams, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargraves, Derek Burnett, they, got, they have to step up. Um, you mentioned that Dallas has two, you know, two pretty good tight ends, and 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 Dak can get the ball out to them quickly. So, so if the front four is not able to get there, the, the linebackers are going to have to be stuck to these to these tight ends. Also, the, the receiver. I mean, I know Michael Gallup isn't playing, um, but you know when you have Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb out on the outside with, with Dak slinging it to them, they'll they'll still be able to make plays. So Darius Lane, Stephen Nelson. Be up on their faces, you know. You might be out there on an island a couple of plays here and there. Even though, again, Jonathan Gannon still, I think maybe did it once or twice, less than a handful of times last week. Still playing base. Still not bringing more than four. Um, and, and, and the number one key is he doesn't want to get beat over the top. This is where we're going to see how true that is. Because we know the – you talk about it time and time again, Connor, the firepower that this Dallas offense has. So – Will the two safeties play deep back? Still no Rodney McLeod, but will the, the safeties play deep back? And will the Eagles not get beat over the top? That's going to be key. Keep everything in front. Force turnovers is objective number one. Let's get a turnover. Force Dak to to make a mistake and and give your offense a short field. If you give your offense a short field, they can put points on the board. And you know the Eagles fans that are going to be at AT&T Stadium, let them get rowdy and make that like an Eagles home game. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the in, the inability for the Eagles to put up points is almost as concerning as their inability to force turnovers. Something's got change on both sides of the ball. The Eagles need to end their drives with any sort of points. Take the point against the Cowboys, especially if you're fourth and and short and it's a close game, take the three. Don't force, you know, that fourth down situation like we saw last week. And just a clean game by the Eagles would be nice because the Cowboys can force turnovers. We can't. And the Eagles lead the league in penalties, so they need to fix that. So, yeah, they definitely need to become a, a smarter as far as far as penalties goes. There's there's a lot of things that that the Eagles need to start turning around. The first couple weeks, okay, you know, it's kind of a transition. Lots of new faces, new culture, new coach. To, okay, that's fine. Now we're hit, hit, hitting week three and week four and week five. This is where you start to get things right, and we start to really see who the Philadelphia Eagles are. Yep, definitely agree. Um, so play a clean game. Don't commit dumb penalties. Don't um, don't have and, and this is where especially Andre Dillard being his first start in what seems like forever um, in a quote unquote hostile environment. You know, let's let's not have false start penalties. All right, Connor, time or here you go. The, the time has come. Prediction: Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas Cowboys. We're both one and one as we picked the Eagles to win both the first week and the second week. Here we go. Will you predict an Eagles loss, Connor? 
Sadly, I, I think I'm going to have to. Sadly, I just, I mean, the, the injuries are piling up on the Dallas Cowboys. Well, the COVID situation's piling up on the other side of the football. There's bodies missing and stuff. But if you're sitting here and telling me right now, who do you trust to get that big play? That either that turnover or that touchdown. I almost feel like I trust the Dallas Cowboys more at this point to to do it. If they need that touchdown, they will get that touchdown. If they need to force that turnover, I think they can force that turnover. But I think it's going to be a shooter. I think the Eagles, we're going to stay, hopefully, I'm praying we see a lot more offense. They're going to need to show a lot more offense or we're going to get our pants blown off us here. Um, but I, I, see, I see more of a, I'm thinking, 31 to 27 Dallas Cowboys. Jesus, 31-27. I do agree that it's going to be a close game. Um, it, it's going to be down to the wire, kind of like last team that has the ball wins it. I'm going to go 31-28. to 28. Jake Elliott wins it for the Eagles. And I, I just think that, again, <clears throat> Nick Sirianni is going to learn from his mistakes last week uh, calling plays, and I think he's going to come out with a better game plan. And I do think that the Eagles actually force – it may only be one turnover, but they'll force a turnover this week. That could be a tur- uh, that could be the, the game turner in the second half. So I'm going to go 31-28 Eagles. Uh, you go 31-27 Cowboys. <sighs> Monday night football. I've been waiting all day for Monday night, Connor, and we still have a couple of days to get there. It's going to be a nice long day. It always is when the Eagles play play a night game it's just going to be long 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 and hopefully uh the eagles keep it close um it's an exciting game and the eagles can pull out a w definitely i i agree i'd like to see the w my prediction is a loss but you know what i'll always take being wrong if if the eagles can pull out the win if i ever predict losses i'll take being wrong any day if they can pick up the w Definitely especially in all important divisional matchups because you know this division we all know this division especially based on the way the early couple weeks is going it's going to come down to who has the most divisional matchup wins i think and it's going to be really close yeah i think i think the entire if the division's wide open except for the giants i still think the giants are just i know they're 0-2 and and it's only week three but i i think that the giants are ready to implode. So I think it's going to come down to Washington, uh, Philly, and, and and Dallas. That's what I think it's going to come down to. But we'll see. De- we'll definitely, see. I, I agree with you. I think the Giants were kind of like overrated. I think, you know, the offense can periodically produce, but their defense is really not that good. So It also doesn't help that they have Jason Garrett as their offensive coordinator, and I don't think he knows how to use the talent that they have. Plus, their offensive line is really bad. And Joe Judge keeps making people retire. It's just weird. Um, so, again, it is Dallas week. Connor has Dallas winning a tight one, 31-27. I have the Eagles pulling out one late, 31-28. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. As always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. If you uh, have any questions for us, you want us to discuss something, let us know on Twitter. And follow our partners over at Sports Talk Philly and, and read up on Connor's preview of this Eagles Dallas Monday night matchup. For Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Fly, Eagles, fly.